Amen. My burdens rolled away. Can you sing that tonight? Many of us were carrying burdens. Many of us were weighed down. Many of us were bowed down. But thank God for Jesus. He came to ease the He came to lift those burdens. And then we can say, My burden rolled away. He says, Come on to me, all your labor and heavy laden. And you know what? I will give you rest. That's a promise for each and every person in this room tonight. It's a promise you can take to the word of God and say, Lord, you says you will give me rest. But it has to be faith in your heart. It has to be a reality. It has to be an encounter, there has to be that reality hitting his heart and knowing that you can take God at his work. He's a God that cannot lie. There's many things in this system we put our trust in, we put our confidence in, we put our hope in, we put our assurance in, and overnight I can fail us. But thank God he never fails us. Even at times we remain, we doubtless and remain unfaithful and remain to do things, but he still is faithful. So before I turn to God's word, I'm just going to bow and we were to pray. And just even if the Lord would touch these stammering lips. Lord, tonight we stand before this congregation. Lord, we stand before heaven. And as it were, we stand before hell. Oh God, and we're praying for the reality of your word to come. The reality in each and every heart gathered here this evening. Lord, we thank you that it's your word. Praying that you'll bless it to your people. And through it, your name will be glorified. You'll build your church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. My Lord, we do tell you afresh that you are worthy to be praised and greatly uh, greatly to be praised. Oh Lord, we do thank you for Jesus. He came to me. When we couldn't come to you, you came to us. Father God, you triumphed over death, hell and the grave. And Father God, we can say today, death is not the end for those that have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, just bless this word. Take away all distractions. Shut us in with yourself. And we'll be careful to give you the glory in Jesus' precious name. Tonight the ring's found in Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 11. It says, But Christ being once, Christ being a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into once into this holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength. At while the testator liveth, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves, took the blood of calves and of goats and with water he sprinkled the scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God have enjoined on to you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the, all the vessels of the ministry. And, all, and all, almost all things are by the law purged with blood. But listen to this for, And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was once therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices for these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Do you know what that word us means? It's for me and it's for you. 
us, that's what it means for everybody, for each and every individual, without exception, you know. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as a high priest entereth into the holy place, every year with the blood of the blood of others. For then must he often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifices of himself. And it is appointed, listen carefully, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto, there's always, a, there's always a positive in the finishing of his word. It says, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And for those who have accepted him and have put their trust in him, they've actually opened their hearts and let him in. We look for that day and we'll, we'll live for him. We'll long for him. We'll try to listen to him by his word. And we'll look for him for that glorious appearing. We even cry for the mountains to fall upon them, to try and cover them from him who sits on the throne, who I see everything, beholding all manner of evil and of good. He'll see all things. But thank God tonight, where there's no guilt. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And tonight, for those who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are washed in the blood of him, made them their own, and personal saved, there is no fear in death. But we do look forward to that glorious appearing of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 22. There's Latin this week's reading, but I just want to try and break out a lot of things that were quick and tell me. Verse 22, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. This word remission just basically means the cancellation of a debt, a charge, or a penalty against us. If I was to ask a question tonight in this room, who, who hasn't sinned? Nobody could put their hand up. Tonight, if we're going to say, who broke one of the laws of God? None of us could put our hand up. We're going to say tonight, who have ever blasphemed the things of God? None of us. But thank God tonight he turned around and said, he's taken it away. He's removed it as far from us. And tonight we have a standard before God Almighty through the finished work of Calvary. And that blood is applied to these lives. He says, he says he no longer sees us for what we used to be, but he sees that finished work of Calvary, that precious blood of the Lamb. And thank God for it tonight. Or none of us, or not even this person standing behind this pulpit wouldn't be found here. The hymn writer painted it so lovely. Really, he did. He said he paid it that he did not owe I owed it that I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace all the day long. Christ Jesus paid it that that I could never pay. Thank God, honestly. Sometimes it's, I know it's homology and it's not theology, but it is weight in those words when you really ponder it. He's done it for me. He's done it for you. He's done it for each and every person that actually ever was brought into this world. Because he loves you. He cared for you. He made a way for you. He made a remedy for sin. He came to lift those heavy burdens. He came to deliver those who are oppressed. He came to bring hope. He came to bring hope to those that feel they're hopeless. Thank God it is the it is the gospel. It is good news. Honestly, and thank God tonight is wherever the gospel's being preached. Who is ever faithful to the book and to the blood? Every door that's open and they proclaim the gospel message, pray the Lord will bless them and just bring people under the sound of his precious word of us. We're still in that day of grace. But there'll come a day when the gospel will not be preached. There'll come a day when there'll be a famine in this world and we'll always hear it. But it'll not be of food and it'll not be of drink. It'll not even be of material things, but it'll be for the word of God. How do you say it? Because everywhere around us, when you look and you see society, they're trying to diminish. They're trying to under, under, take away the authority of God's word. But heaven and earth shall pass away. But he says, my word shall remain forever. Thank God for it. We're still in the day of grace. Honestly, tonight it says in hymn 280, I'm just going to read it out to you. And then that's it. It says, Come unto me, 
all your weary, and I will give you rest. O blessed voice of Jesus, which comes to hearts oppressed, it tells of benediction, of pardon, grace, and peace, of joy that have no ending, of love which cannot cease. Come unto me, you wonders, and I will give you light. O loving voice of Jesus, which comes to cheer the night. Our hearts were filled with sadness, and we had lost our way, but morning brings us gladness and songs the break of day. And whosoever, that word whosoever, again it's mentioned, whosoever cometh, I will in no way cast him out. O welcome voice of Jesus, which drives away our doubt, which calls us very sinners, unworthy though we be, of love so free and boundless to come, dear Lord, to thee. Amen. Honestly, it's so... I do, I do, I know the word of God and when you're reading it and you just actually open the page and you spend a hymn and something's quick until you, it does really bring the emphasis really back to what the Lord has actually done for us. Honestly, through the reading of his word, through the liberty and the freedom of which we have and through the spirit of God which quickens it tell us. Do you know what I mean? Unless the spirit of God tonight moves in hearts, you shall just hear a man's words. You shall sit through half an hour, whatever it may be, and you shall go in and you shall go out the same way. But I do pray tonight that the spirit of God, that same spirit will raise Christ from the dead, speaks to hearts, speaks to lives, challenges, and actually lets you know there is a way. Verse 26, again it says, To put away sin, I'll read it again, it says, For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world that he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. To To put away sin speaks of deliverance. Not only to die for our sins, listen, but to put away our sins. You know what I mean? There's a difference. He died for every person in this world, you know what I mean? For the sins that we've ever committed, but not everybody receives them and to let them be loosened from their sins and the things that would actually hold us back and the things that could be self-righteous. It could be an addiction. It could be a, a system that we've been, we've been caught up in. He said he just didn't die only for sins. He died to take away our sins and he died to remove them from us. Thank God. And there's always a remedy. There is always a remedy. He who the sun sets free. It's probably one of the most quoted verses that's preached from this pulpit. And as long as there's breath in the people who stomp behind it, it'll still be preached. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank God tonight. Can you say you're free? Martin Luther penned those words ready. He says, free, free at last. He could actually realize that he was, he was bound. But he, when he really experienced it, he could say, I'm free, free, free at last. Tonight, can you say those same words? Can you exactly that within your heart? And even the quietness of your own self, in your own spirit, can you say, I'm free? Not only from an addiction. There might be things that you're actually bound to, bound by. You're actually feared off. But as I said in the opening verse, perfect love casteth out all fear. Thank God tonight. And there was no greater love than this, that a mom would lay down his life. And that's a Calvary. Speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know what he calls us? He calls his friends. He calls his friends. He who were once enemies. He says, we were alienated from the things of God, but he calls his friends. Honestly, free from sin, but listen, it breaks the power of sin. But it is the power of sin that keeps people bound. So I'll say that again. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free from sin, but listen, it breaks the power of sin. It is the power of sin that keeps people bound in those kind of positions, keeps people bound in a place of defeat, keeps people bound when you speak to people in the streets of Balm the Hinge, there's a lot of religious people, and they turn around and says, I've tried it. Didn't work. No, listen, Lord, Lord Jesus, there's no disappointment. 
you know what I mean? Let faith arise within your hearts. Lay hold on him. Come to him with his precious word and say, Lord, you said to anyone, come upon to me, I will no ways cast out. But it has to be the Spirit of God that quickens that reality to these lives, or it'll just be mere words goes in this year and out that way, out that year. He can set the captives free. Christ not only died for your sins, and I'll emphasize it again. Because many people hear, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ come into the world. You're probably here at Christmas time. You probably actually get Christmas cards that actually has the Lord Jesus and every blessings tell you. But it actually says he came. It's not only just that. It's not just, it says Christ not only came into the world to die for your sins. He came to put them away. To take them away from you. She doesn't have to live in that place of defeat. It is warm. I was actually going to say to this team before we actually started, but we ended up in that door, but sure, I'm already up. It says, and in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, it's in the Amplified Version, says, For I will be merciful and gracious towards their sins, and I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. That's why when you can speak to a believer who's put their trust and have experienced the love of God and the forgiveness of sins, and you speak to them on the street, and you actually can say, but I remember him, or I remember her. He was this, this, and that, and she was that, that, and that. But thank God when the blood has been applied to your life, there is no record. There is no record. Men may try to accuse. Men may try to cast up. People actually try to bring you down. But thank God, do you know what I mean? We have an advocate. And then it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, I know tonight for us, for yous, that know me. And many of the times at this table, I always do quote hymns. But the words of them are just so true, honestly. There is, there's just folly to them. And there's weight in them. And we sing it many of the times. I stand. Not only before you, I can say it tonight, I stand before, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Honestly, the life that I lived, do you know what I mean? I probably, you probably heard some of my testimony, but I wasn't really a bad person, if that makes sense. I know there are people who say there's nothing good, but before you actually reality of the word of God comes to your life, you try to justify yourself. You try to get caught up in a self-religious system. And you actually always used to try to elevate people's other. But I wasn't like her. I wasn't like him. And I'm okay. And I do this and I do that. Do you know what I mean? And I, even at times, you know what I mean? I actually refused. I ignored. You felt the spirit of God dealing with it and you ignored it. But thank God there is a line. I'm sure that with some people in here, there is a fine line. You have to be very careful that you don't stand over or take for granted. Because the spirit of God says, I'm not always strive with men. Do you know what I mean? You're not always hear the voice of God. That every speaking, do you know what I mean? Heart, not your heart. It is in verse 27, and just basically just trying to, in that verse that I read, try to speak out the things, try to emphasize in the, the verses. I know the word of God's precious, but there's things that I just want to try to bring home the reality. Tell us tonight, it says it's appointed unto men. That mean that man just means everybody, just you know, further means men, women, boys, and girls. It's just the Bible brings in that kind of context. Once to die, and after this, the judgment. Every person in this room is going to face it. And I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but it's just a reality. When you start and speak to somebody, do you know what I mean? And they think they're maybe in their early teens and they're maybe late, early 20s and they're thinking they've got their whole life ahead of them. And you stomp behind their coffin and you're walking up the, fam- up the street and you're paying your condolence to the family and they're thinking, that person thought he had his whole life ahead. Do you know what I mean? And only he knows the standard night before God. And the Bible does say it's appointed on the man wants to die. But in this one, I just want to bring out four wee points. It's unavoidable. Firstly, it's unavoidable. We're all going to meet it. All of us. Second, there is no exception. There is no exception. Rich, poor, doesn't matter your status in life, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you're from. We're all going to meet it. Third, 
And this is the thing. People think there's a second chance. If there was a second chance in life, people wouldn't live the way they lived the first life. And if, do you understand what I'm saying? If people lived the way they lived and stood before God and acknowledged the sincerity of their sin, and if they had another run at it, they wouldn't do things the same way they'd done it before. But there's no second chance. There's no like trial run before the reality. It's just it. This is it. And if the Lord tarries three scores in 1070, but not all of us are going to see it. This is it. The reality of it. So there's no second chance. And fourth, Probably there's a lot more than this be first, but I just want to speak on this in fourth. And after this breath leaves this body, we will stand before God. Each and every one of us. When this life leaves this body, we will stand before God. Remember, remember somebody quoted, it says, that breath that you've just taken was yours. The next one's God's. See, have you thought that reality of that? There was things that you would do if you knew when that last breath was going to be. Listen, I don't want to be doom and gloom. Honestly, believe me, I don't want to be doom and gloom. But when you speak to people, no matter where they're from, people take this thing, this kind of matter lightly. Lightly. But we love and care for your soul. That's why people invite you to church. That's why people preach the gospel. That's why churches are opened and the gospel's being preached. That's why people knock your doors. People give out tracts. People stand and try to just reason with you. Try to speak to you. Try to show you the mercy and the love of God by the word of God. And even for those who have actually had a testimony, they try to show their testimony. And people think, oh, it only works for him. It only works for her. As I said, there's no ex- ex- exceptions. Do you know what I mean? The will and the things of God. But as I said, there's always a remedy. There's always a remedy. There's always mercy before judgment with the things of God. There is always a remedy. It says, for God so loved, most probably one of the most quoted verses it's ever quoted, but it speaks of a remedy, and it actually brings a reality, personally, to each and every one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can take, you, you can put your name in that first. Do you know what I mean? You can bring that reality to you. There's always a, a, a remedy for sin. I'm going to take a wee reading just from Romans chapter 5. Verse 6, Romans chapter 5. It says, For we were yet without strength. In due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will once die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But listen. But God commanded his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if then we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We were enemies. The Bible says we were enemies to God. But we've been reconciled through the Lord Jesus Christ for for that precious blood, for that atonement, for that finished work of Calvary. But it has to become a reality. Do you know what I mean? You can't live off somebody else's experience. You can't even live off a family tradition. You can't even live off even your parents' testimony or even your family's legacy, whatever way you've been brought up. It has to become of reality in this heart. I remember I shared it the last time behind here, and I'll say it again. 18 inches, me and Miss Heaven. 18 inches. That's from here to here. That's a reality. A lot of people know it, but they've never experienced it. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man's sin, 
This is what I want to talk about as well. Wherefore, by as one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So that does away with all self-righteousness. That does away with all good works. That does away with everything. But I'm not a sinner. It says, by one man's sin, death passed upon all men. But by thank God for one man's obedience, which was the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to make a way to reconcile us of fallen people to present us before a holy God. And thank God for it this, morning, this evening. There is a remedy. And thank God the gospel is good news. But not everybody's going to receive that good news. So I do pray tonight, oh God, even just for the stumbling of these lips, and it is his word. Honestly, it's not in man's intellect. It's not in the ability of any preacher, do you know what I mean? It is God's word under the anointing of the Spirit of God to bring that reality home to each and every person here tonight. And I'll read that again. It says, Wherefore, by us one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that of all have sinned. Can you say like the Apostle Paul? We're all, as I said, do you know what I mean? Stephen, you touched on it this morning. One of the kids on the way around mentioned it again as well, do you know what I mean, about the fear of death. But Paul, the Apostle Paul says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Do you know what I mean? As we're all going to face it, but it makes a difference who we face it with. Listen, by all means, listen out of the... If, you, if I could feel what was in this heart to every person here tonight, I hope and pray that you just don't think I'm all doom and gloom. But I'm just bringing the reality, the sincerity behind how of the day and hour that we're living in, do you know what I mean? People think they can live whatever way they want and still have an assurance to stand before God. The only assurance and the authority that we can have the right to stand before God if we acknowledge our sin is before God, repent of it. Christianity means just to turn from whatever way we live before, turn our back on it and follow Christ. That only gives us the assurance to stand before God, whether he comes, whether he calls, whether there's breath in this body, do you know what I mean? It's just, just knowing that you're ready. Not by any good work, not by any self-effort or any good deeds or church attendance or whatever you've given the good charitable works. It's by acknowledging that Jesus died for you and Jesus died for me. Accept them in your life. Why ask them to forgive you for everything you've ever done? And that gives us the insurance that we can stand. Do you know what I mean? It says, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Last week, some of you may know, last Saturday, it says, last week, to be honest, Saturday, getting ready for the men's fellowship and breakfast and looking forward to it, but there was a fizzing speaker. And I just want to try to bring the reality of even what I experienced, having the peace of God at that time, whenever this happened, you know what I mean? Getting ready, getting changed, next minute, lad on the floor. And see, for that quick second, I emphasize with every person, man, woman, boy and girl, who didn't have a hope. Because if that was for my last breath and I was to take it, you know what I mean? And we don't know when, don't know whether it could be in the workplace, don't know whether it could be in the home, don't even know where it could be. I actually even driving a car when this breath leaves this body. But if that was my time to go last Saturday, as my kids got very worked up, they run up the stairs, they heard the thud, seeing me laying on the floor, not knowing what had happened. The reality of it came to me while I'm laying there and they're trying to give me morphine. This is before they put the morphine in and I'm laying there and I'm thinking, if that's the way men and women left this scene at time and had no consideration for the things of God, that's what they're going to be judged on when they meet God, you know what I mean? If they had any thought of God, if had any interest in the things of God, you know what I mean? Not everybody gets a chance to reason it out, work it out, tidy themselves up and come to God and say, Lord, now I'm ready. Not everybody gets that. Do you know what I mean? I've, like, I've stood behind this way back and I'll share it again. There's many people I've stood behind as a coffin, young people rather than elderly people. And you're talking to them, they're thinking, but I want to do this and I want to do that. And I don't deny that the Lord Jesus has changed your life. I, know, I, I can see that or I know you've, or know this person's been changed. 
But just at the moment, that's not for me. And the next minute, you get the phone call. Such and such has passed away. Such and such is for Nielsen Tuesday. Such and such is for another thinking. Wow. 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds, 30-year-olds, do you know what I mean? Nobody knows what a day bringeth. And it's the reality of it, do you know what I mean? Whenever this breath leaves this body, and this body goes to the ground, and they say, ashes the ashes, dust to dust, it's then the reality of your eternity. Where will it be? Do you know what I mean? Can't live wrong and die right. Can't live a self, a reject, you can't live a life rejecting Christ. And then whenever you take, open your eyes and you actually confront it with them, Want them? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't work. I don't. Under, I don't mean to try and set it in a way to complicate things, but you can't live wrong and die right. There's always a mercy. God always gives warnings. He always gives forewarnings. He always gives pleadings. He always gives mercy. He always gives time to room to repent. You read about it in the Old Testament. He gives Jezebel time and time and time to repent. He gives people time to repent, but not everybody will receive it. And it'll come in time, and the Spirit of God will not be dealing with you. And I could say, and he turned around and say, why? But if you, like last week, if it was if it was my time to go, and you asked me, was he ready? I could say yes. Unwaveringly, I could say with full assurance, not because whatever I've done, not because even what I try to merit or what I try to obtain. Why? Because the Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. I called. He answered. I repented. He forgave. I was broken. He restored. Honestly, there's always a pattern. There's always a pattern with the things of God. always speaks of mercy. There's always good things to follow, do you know? And that's all that he ever has for you. But the time, we don't see it. But listen, I want to speak on five words. And some of you, do you know what I mean, but know the word of God better. You just know what these five words will be. It says, these five words are only mentioned once in the Old Testament. One of the men are prophets. Yet I would say that these five words would sum up the whole message of the Bible. Just five words. When they see these, there's actually one down the Arch Peninsula when you're driving down, it's actually on a big rock. You actually see these five words. You see them throughout the country, nailed to the, like, the, wee, things, the wee monuments of tin stuck to the tree, and they've got this verse on it. It's probably trying to, it's probably bring, you're probably uh, clicking your memory. You see it, the billboards. You see it, I've seen it sometimes in the back of cars. If you get close enough, tell them. If you drive the way I do, you'll actually see what people says in the back of their cars. You see it in church sayings. You see it everywhere. Do you know what it is? I believe, and I totally, I believe this. Totally would be the best warning. As a father would give to his children, as a friend could give to his, uh, as fellow citizen, as a work colleague can give to whatever we get the opportunity, I do believe this would be the greatest warning that we could ever give to anybody. Tell our families. Tell our children. Tell our friends. Tell our work colleagues. Even strangers in the street, you know what I mean? Because we have to show compassion to them. Freely as you receive, freely you give. When you know that the gospel works and changes a life, why would you not want to share it? Have you heard it? It says, prepare to meet thy God. Amos 4 and 12. And that's what I was thinking about last week. See, whenever that ambulance man took me and I'm laying in the back of the ambulance and I'm driving up my lane and now I'm going under the motorway and every time you could see, and that's what, every time I actually was coming around a wee bit, that's all I was thinking about. If that was per people... And that was somebody else in that situation, and that was their last breath before they met eternity. What way would they be facing them? The sincerity of it, you know what I mean? Prepare to meet thy God. Do basically, it sums up everything that the Bible tries to emphasize on. And we always do quote C.T. Studd, you know what I mean? Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. When I am dying, how happy I'll be. 
know that this life has been poured out for thee. But there's a common reality. There's a common reality at times, do you know what I mean? Sometimes we just take it for familiar. But this life, it's not a, this is it. This is it. There's no, there's documentaries on TV like this is your life. See, to be honest, before each and every one of us, see if there was a documentary wanted to be broadcasted of the lives that we lived before we, be, before we came to the Lord Jesus, or before the Lord Jesus found us, we'd be shamed. We'd be honestly, we'd blush. The Bible says in the day and age that we're living and people have forgotten how to blush. But I would blush. I would. Honestly, I'd be, I'd be ashamed. I'd try to kneel down and let nobody see me. But thank God, the mercy of God washes and cleanses away every sin. Finest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Only one life will soon be passed. People live as they are going to live forever. Honestly, you speak to people even in the hospital, like I'm not ready to meet my maker. That's what they say. So they know there is a maker. The makers of heaven and of earth. And they know they're going to stand before them. And they say, I'm not ready to make my maker yet. I heard one the other day. I come more right. I'm still on the right side of the daisies. People talk of death and of eternity as if it's a laugh and a joking matter. Remember Leonard Ravenhill praying and preaching. He says, Lord, stamp eternity in every man and every woman's eyelids. That's what he says. But you're standing and people and they're going to visit them and they turn around and say, oh, it's not my time to go yet. I'm not ready to meet my maker. Or they don't even say, turn around and say, it's not my time to meet my maker. So they know there is a maker and they know they're going to stand before them, but they don't put, put any consideration in what way they're going to face him. This life is a plan. It's a, a plan and a purpose for eternity. Whatever the Lord may grant each and every one of us in this room. Do you know what I mean? Whether it be 50, whether it be 70, whether it even be 100, there is a preparation for the way we face eternity. And I do believe that in the day that we're going to be without excuse, we're without excuse, do you know what I mean? We've broadcast, with billboards, with preachers, with social media, with everything. So people can't say that they're without an excuse. They're left without an excuse. Because it's a long suffering and the mercy of God that he hasn't come back. And if there's one tonight in this room, it doesn't know much for you that he hasn't come back. That's why, the, that's why the Lord hasn't come back yet. He's waiting for you to get right before him. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't want none to perish. No man, no woman, no boy or girl, but shall all have everlasting life. Come on to me. That's what he wants. He wants each and every one of his mom crying. The, the, the human race that he created to have fellowship with, he wants none to perish, but all to come under repentance. Romans 14 again. For it is written, saith the Lord. Sorry. So as soon as we leave, as soon as this life leaves our bodies, we will stand before God. People joke about it, laugh it off in crowds, in front of their friends, even in gatherings. But listen, and listen carefully. If there's nothing else you hear, you'll stomp, you'll die alone, and you'll stomp before God alone. That's it. For it is written, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself. That's in Romans chapter 14. If you want to read it. These are not just words that we make up to try to scare, to intimidate or fear. And remember, preachers, and if there's any converts, Brought by a man. It says they'll be stole by a man. Does that make sense? Sometimes you can preach fear. You can bring a lot of things to try and scare people. Do you know what I mean? But that's not salvation. That's not repentance. True repentance is whenever the Spirit of God brings the reality of the lifestyle that you're living is an offense before God. And the only way for you to be forgiven is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to scare or plead or try to even make a, a pact with this. You know, I'm just speaking the words of God. Three things, and I don't know how long I've been. Three things in finishing I want to leave with you. But before I leave, before 
I do that. I want to read one poem. Leon, that's the one you quoted, you laminated for me. I'd rather offend somebody, and I don't mean to offend. I'd rather offend somebody for this brief time on this temporal earth than live with all eternity knowing that I never told them. I'll say it again. I'd rather offend somebody for such this short period by telling them that the message of the gospel than live with all eternity knowing that I, I didn't tell them the truth. It says, Hebrews, it's one of the verses that I read. It says, My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walk with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge on earth was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand to stay condemned. Because you failed to mention him. You shared many things with me, that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learned now that it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night. And yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and watch me die. Like tonight, honestly. For all years, do you know what I mean? I've loved ones, do you know what I mean? Just keep on telling the good news. We can't save anybody. But listen, when we tell them the gospel message, bring them morality and the warning of the word of God says, well, no one's going to be able to stand before God and say, but he or she or this one or that one never told me. And I know it's not going to be an excuse, but at least we've done our bit, you know what I mean? We've actually told them the, the message of the gospel. And it says, as it were, their blood will not be required of our hearts in that day when we stand before God. We walk by day and talk by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and watch me die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. But now I'm coming to this saying, I can no longer call you friend. It's solemn, isn't it? It's solemn for us who are walking with the Lord and we're working in a workplace and we don't tell people and we're scared to share the gospel with them and just to pray the Lord does give each and every one of us that boldness. Doesn't come of our own ability, our own, own intellect. You know what I mean? It's the Spirit of God that empowers us to stand and to bring the message of the gospel to them. So whatever they do stand, they are without an excuse. And finally, honestly, I'm not going to be long. Just sometimes when I keep them in notes, I actually get through things a lot quicker than what I want to say. There's three things in finishing. Talks about prepare to meet thy God, Amos. There's three things I want to point out in this one text. You can avoid hearing the word of God. Listen, I'll say it again. You can avoid hearing the word of God. You can come to church. You can switch off. You can put your head, look out the window. You can do whatever you want. So you can avoid hearing the word of God. Second, you can avoid coming to the house of God. We're all good at making excuses. We all know people who are very good at making excuses. So firstly, you can avoid hearing the word of God. Second, you can avoid coming to the house of God. But thirdly, says you can refuse to listen to the people of God. That could be a family member. That could be a parent. That could be somebody pleading with a Sunday school teacher, whatever it may be. So you can avoid hearing the word of God. You can avoid coming to the house of God. You can refuse to listen to the people of God. But I will let you end this often tonight. says you will have to stand before this God. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a reality. We're all going to stand before God. It says in eternity where... Do you know what I mean? We have that reality. We just do pray that reality does come home. Just do please consider this. That's basically the, just the summary of all that I wanted to bring. It's probably a wee bit quicker. But I do pray the Spirit of God will just uh, penetrate the word, like, all the words that have been said and quicken it till you. And actually let faith raise within your hearts till I hold 
on the precious Word of God. Amen.